This content is for institutional investors and information purposes only. It does not contain investment, financial, legal tax or any other advice and should not be relied upon for this purpose. The materials are not tailored to your particular, personal and or financial position. If you require advice based on your specific circumstances, you should contact a professional advisor. Opinions expressed are those of the speakers as of the date of publication, are subject to change without notice and do not necessarily reflect Mercer's opinions. Hello and welcome to Critical Thinking, Critical Issues. I'm Chris Beauty, Senior Investment Consultant at Mercer based in London, helping insurance clients across Europe and Bermuda. Today we're discussing how insurers navigate the recent changes in financial market conditions, such as losses caused by interest rate increases. Joining me today is Boutros Thierry. He's Head of Investments for Mercer in France, and he'll share his thoughts on asset allocation and product development trends in the European insurance market. As well as Boutros, I'm delighted to welcome Stephanie Thomas. Stephanie is a senior investment consultant from Mercer's US insurance practice based in Minneapolis. Stephanie brings a huge amount of experience in alternatives, capital efficient investing and asset allocation. I'll start with you, Stephanie. Well, thanks for having me, Chris. Um, I would say the good news is that kind of after that decade of searching for yield, the industry is finally seeing fixed income as an attractive source of current income on that on that risk adjusted basis. I think the bad news is that because of that rapid rate increase, has left many insurers with unrealized losses on their balance sheet. So, for those of them who can take advantage of tax loss harvesting, that's that's really what we're encouraging them to do. But for many, they're just going to have to kind of wait patiently for these investments to roll off their balance sheets. Boutros, have you been seeing similar things uh, in European general accounts? Well, of course, this uh, massive change uh, has been really uh, impactful for European insurers as well. Um, there has been a lot of changes in terms of uh, allocations, uh, solvency ratios, um, about um, um, uh, capital gains, as said uh, Stephanie. What we saw uh, in details for uh, European insurers is that the, the rapid um, change in the rates environment, of course, uh, created some uh, um, negative capital, capital loss, unrealized capital loss, of course. Uh, but because most of the investments for in fixed income are held uh, directly, and there, is, there are some accounting mechanisms uh, to avoid having direct loss in the portfolios, it was more an asset allocation effect. Of course, with the decrease of the value of uh, listed assets, Mechanically, uh, the weights of uh, private markets investings uh, became really high. And I think that, first of all, before reacting, the insurers had to digest the impact in terms of asset allocation before figuring out what they will do in this new environment. I think that's the main change is that we saw uh, a slowdown in the uh, asset allocation changes over the last uh, year because uh, the change was really uh, rapid. Uh, before, of course, in 2023, um, uh, experiencing a lot of uh, changes and uh, also uh, helping insurers to to do these changes in this new environment. And, and you mentioned um, insurers making changes to their portfolios, uh, Boutros. 
have you seen many insurers looking to kind of dynamically uh, or tactically move their portfolio in response to ongoing market conditions? Yes, de- definitely. Of course, with the the new uh, um, uh, environment in terms of rates, um, uh, we could say that insurers have been waiting uh, for this new environment for uh, maybe fifteen years, and they could start uh, again to uh, uh, to implement a whole to maturity strategy and fixed income. So, of course, over the course of um, at the end of the last semester, twenty twenty two, and of course uh, uh, the first semester of this year. We saw um, huge uh, investments in, in fixed income, a slowdown in risky assets, especially private markets. But we will come to that because I don't think uh, there will be a, a total switch again to listed assets. Uh, insurers have implemented new strategies for the last 15 years to develop uh, private markets. They have hired a lot of people um, to be able to diversify their portfolio. But at least over the last uh, six to twelve months, um, most of the new allocations were made in, uh, in fixed income, and of course, in the details, we could see differences between life insurers, insurers with uh, higher duration, um, with uh, compared to a non-life, and of course, depending the, depending on the strategies of insurers, some of them had a, a big duration gaps. They were more or less able to reallocate the portfolio to. Uh, higher duration, higher uh, yielding strategies. Very just the beginning, just the beginning, <laughs> to say it in a few <laughs> words. Massive change, but it's just the beginning. Stephanie, have you, have you seen similar things happening uh, in U.S. insurance portfolios? Yeah, I think as Boutrous had mentioned that there was a phenomenon um, early on where insurers were pausing these allocations um, and kind of ramping up their fixed income and, and correcting for the duration. Um, but I would absolutely say that across liability type, insurance companies continue to allocate two alternatives. I mean, there's a potential there to improve the returns, grow your surplus. Um, I, I'm a big fan of the space and, and have been, especially if it's if it can be implemented in a capital efficient way. So I would say it's been less of a dynamic shift. Um, and more of a you know a well planned strategic direction and part of their asset allocation they continue to march aside from that temporary pause. Um, you know it's a primary driving force though for why clients want to work with Mercer because we can help them evaluate those portfolios and access that alternative space in an efficient and and frankly a cost effective manner. Maybe on that, uh, Stephanie, and um, maybe there could be some differences between. Uh, insurers in the US uh, compared to Europe and maybe the rest of the world. Uh, totally agree on the fact that alternative strategies are not uh, alternative anymore in the way that uh, they became a real uh, important part of the allocation. As we said, uh, insurers hired uh, important uh, um, resources and expertise to, um, to allocate to private markets. Um, and they will keep doing that. It's just that after 10 years of real growth, at least in Europe, in the private markets, especially private equity infrastructure and moreover private credit, uh, first the insurers needed to figure out what will be the impact on the strategies. And I think it's uh, even now too early to figure out if uh, how private, private equity strategies, for example, could be impacted. With respect to private credit, it's a bit different. 
because I think the insurers used uh, this specific space um, for, of course, um, yielding reasons, higher returns, but also because they use that for LDI purposes and also solvency two um, uh, optimization uh, because of the non rate it's parts for SR credits, but also to look for duration in replacements of uh, GUVIs, for example. It was a proxy uh, to GUVIs investing. Now that the, the fixed income yields in the listed space are much higher, there could be a shift from senior long-duration private credits to maybe higher-yielding uh, strategies with um, uh, variable rates, because usually the big insurers were using fixed rates. And we could see a shift also to a more diversification in the private credit space, having in mind that, of course, the senior long-duration strategies of private credits will still be used in the alternative space. So I think, again, there will be a shift in how the insurers are, of course, allocating in the listed space. They will keep using alternatives, but uh, with much more diversification. And also, because we speak here about the, the general account and the uh, the own funds, there will be also a big shift on how insurers are designing unit-linked uh, uh, products uh, for the life insurers. And of course, in Europe, and especially in France, of course, that is a big life insurance market. There will be a lot of um, new product design and innovation that will uh, that will take place in uh, in alternatives in the coming years. Yeah, I think what you really hit on there, Boutros, is that insurance companies have had to increase their sophistication. And frankly, the portfolios have become more complex. And I don't see that um, reversing that trend anytime soon. And so they have, they are comfortable with alternatives. They continue to march down that path and increase those allocations in the U.S. Um, and on the product side, I, I anticipate that to get more, more creative and sophisticated as well as time marches on. But there's some, there's some we're just not seeing generally a reversal here in the States for that appetite, particularly for private credit, as you mentioned. Interesting. So the, the demand for private credit um, continues uh, and it remains attractive for, for insurers. Delving into private credit then a little bit uh, in a little bit more detail, given, given the continued attractiveness of it, how are you seeing the kind of the implementation approaches and also you know, you mentioned the increasing complexity of allocations, uh, increasing how, you know, w what's going on there? Um, uh, Stephanie, I wonder if you want to comment first. Sure. I, I mean, I would say insurers are definitely reviewing kind of that liquidity trade-off in their portfolios and they're evaluating private markets, as I said, particularly private credit. Um, it's just that market has evolved so substantially over the last 10 years and there are so many more asset managers in the space and there's also a much wider spectrum of collateral options available. So it's an interesting area for them to explore. Boutrous, do you have anything to comment there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's a good point you raised about liquidity, both actually for general accounts and for unit links. Because they were hit, all the insurers uh, in terms of asset allocation, maybe not with uh, that strong impact in terms of solvency ratio. Higher rates doesn't mean that the solvency ratio we're, um, we're being uh, weaker, we're, we're becoming weaker. It's more about asset allocation. I think the, the ability to manage uh, in much detail the liquidity will play a big role. And private debt compared to private, private equity, for example, 
uh, might give more leeway in the way they manage liquidity. Um, we, we had discussions with insurers about um, the programs that we propose uh, that, that sometimes can be evergreen programs in private debt uh, that is really bringing much more flexibility for insurers to um, invest in um, in private markets, uh, uh, trying to, to get higher returns, diversification, and other features, but also uh, managing liquidity to be able to um, to be more flexible depending on the market conditions. And maybe that, that, that's, that's going to be something really important, is that we know that uh, now we have higher rates environments, uh, but that could be even worse if inflation goes on, and that's, that's, that would be a uh, some of the past we could see in the, um, in, in, the, in the markets and flexibility, ability to dynamically uh, reallocate portfolio will be important. And liquidity, of course, will be also key for uh, any insurer uh, that wants to include private markets into unit link products. Uh, we see more and more semi-liquid products. So all of this makes, uh, uh, makes the environment more complex more um, interesting in terms of opportunities. And I guess um, insurers will need to be uh, also um, more innovative and helped also by uh, by experts like Mercer. And, and Stephanie, with the attractiveness of, of private credit, um, how have uh, private credit allocations changed and how do you think they'll continue to change in future? So as I mentioned earlier, you know, allocations are getting larger. The private credit market itself continues to grow, and those investment structures, at least in the U.S., have evolved in really capital-efficient ways, like, you know, think rated feeders, for example. So it's not just investment-grade middle market loans anymore, like it was five years ago. Now we're seeing upper, upper middle market, middle, lower middle market, and then a whole wide variety of asset-backed solutions, you know, NAV lending, um, solar lending rail cars, all kinds of esoteric underlying collateral, you know, just to name a few. But you know, that comes with complexity and, and, and it does make um, you know, monitoring your portfolio maybe a little more difficult. Yeah, it's 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 an incredibly complex sphere. Utros, do you want to comment on that? Yeah, it's 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 really interesting to figure out um, where we are <laughs> Uh, here in the uh, in the insurance portfolios compared to, to ten years ago, ten years ago, it was the start of the diversification towards private credits. Uh, uh, insurance also being back uh, investing in private equity, uh, also investing in infrastructure. Um, ten years after, we have teams that are experienced in a subset of the private markets industry. And as Stephanie said, it's becoming even more complex now in terms of uh, um, uh, strategies uh, um, be, being more and more niche. Uh, Stephanie gave some examples in the private credit space, but it's also true in private equity, in infrastructure. We have impact strategies now that are also um, growing in the different uh, sub-segments. So I guess... Insurers will now have to um, improve the way they monitor their private, private markets portfolio that are becoming uh, heavier in terms of operational burden. And apart from the um, monitoring, they will also have to assess if they were um, performing well in alternatives now. If you compare to 10 years ago, 
allocating to any kind of uh, alternative strategy was bringing more return than the uh, the GUVIs, the fixed income uh, allocation that were uh, really important for insurers. So whatever you, you, you are doing in private markets, 8, 10, 12, or 14 persons per year, it was always better than zero. Now that we have higher inflation, higher rates that could even go uh, even higher, as we said, there's going to be uh, much more uh, needs in uh, in terms of diversification again, but also assessing how um, we can select managers where they're performing well, uh, about also the cash flow profiles of managers, even in private equity. We talked about liquidity for uh, private credits, but that will be also true when you compare buyouts to venture to growth strategies. So I guess there will be um, a need to um, diversify portfolios and also uh, professionalize the infrastructure they use uh, to, to build private markets portfolio within a wider portfolio that will keep investing a lot, of course, in, uh, in listed assets. So perhaps a moment for insurers to think about uh, both how they've performed historically and also to review their, their portfolios going forwards. Thank you, Boutros and Stephanie, for joining me today. It is now a good time for insurers to review how their portfolios have performed and how they are positioned going forwards. We're soon going to be launching the second annual Mercer Insurance Survey globally in collaboration with Oliver Wyman. So we'll have exciting findings by the end of the year to report to the industry as to how insurers have effectively navigated these changes and what more can be done. If you like what you've heard, make sure you subscribe to our podcast series. And if you'd like to discuss anything from the podcast further, you can reach out to your local Mercer representative or email us at ctci at mercer.com. Thank you for listening.